Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds. Thank you for listening to Bible Truth for Living. We're excited to be with you today. I'm preaching from John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. The title of today's message is What I Really Believe About Heaven. The Bible says in John 14 and verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, these words are spoken by Jesus to his disciples just prior to his going uh, to the cross of Calvary. He tells them here, don't let your heart be troubled. I think he's telling us the same thing today. You know, it's easy to get troubled when you watch the news and see uh, what's taking place in our nation, in our world. And then, you know, we all have our own uh, problems uh, personally uh, that can trouble us, maybe financial troubles or health troubles, family troubles. But Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled because I'm preparing a place for you. In other words, there are better days ahead. There's something to look forward to. Now, a popular theme in preaching over the past several years has been topical felt needs preaching. Uh, I don't even know if it's preaching as much as it is psychology seminars on how to be a better person here on earth, how to be a better parent, how to be a better worker, uh, how to have success. Now, some of that's okay, uh, but if all of the focus is on the temporary things here of earth and never thinking about the eternal, uh, that becomes pretty shallow faith. In fact, Paul says, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. I believe it's important once in a while to uh, take a break from this world and to be reminded about the place we're going to spend eternity in. That is a place called heaven. And I believe this as well, that how you see heaven, what you believe regarding heaven will determine how you live and what your mindset is like here on earth. If you just live for today and you only think about the things of of, uh, the here and now, then you're not going to think much about heaven. But what you believe about heaven and eternity, I think, will dictate how you live in this life. And so that's what we're going to look at today. The story is told of a pastor and his family who were faithful to the Lord. At one point, the family went through a very trying time and lost three young children to the disease of diphtheria in just a matter of weeks. Well, a week or two after the third child died, the father stood up at his church on Easter Sunday. He preached on the resurrection and the hope of heaven. His church family wept openly while he spoke, and they remembered the three young children who had died. And as the people were exiting the service and, you know, some of them were leaving quietly, a young boy was overheard commenting to his father. He said, Dad, wasn't that amazing? I guess the preacher really believes what he says, doesn't he? Well, you know, to his surprise, the preacher did believe what he said in regards to heaven. And with that in mind, I want to give you six things that I really believe about heaven today. Number one. I really believe that heaven is a real place. Jesus says there again in John 14 and verse 2, I go to prepare a place for you. 
Now, some people will say that heaven is just a state of mind. You know, it's just an imaginary place uh, that you just randomly call heaven. It's a state of mind. Others will say that heaven is a crutch for Christians. Uh, especially when we go through tough times, you know, and so uh, some believe, well, when Christians go through tough times, they start talking about heaven again, just as an escape. Well, uh, if you want to call heaven a crutch or heaven an escape, that is fine, whatever you think, but regardless, the Bible says it is a real place. Now, we have some dimensions and descriptions of this real place called heaven in Revelation chapter 21. Now, what, what we call heaven actually to be uh, a little more uh, accurate, we call it the New Jerusalem. Let, let me uh, let me preface it by saying this: If you have a loved one who was saved and passed away, that person we say they are in heaven, but technically they are in this place called the New Jerusalem. Uh, let me also say this regarding heaven. The Bible teaches there are three heavens. All right, maybe you never heard that before. Well, let me explain that to you. The first heaven we would call the atmospheric heaven, all right? So you think of the firmament where the clouds are, where the birds fly, that's the first heaven. The second heaven then would be the planetary heavens where the sun, the moon, the stars, the the galaxies, the universe, that's the second heaven. The third heaven would be the place of God's abode. Uh, We have one person who describes that, and that is the Apostle Paul says he was caught up to the third heaven, all right? Uh, other than uh, Paul being caught up there spiritually uh, and seeing that, whether Paul had a near-death experience, the Bible doesn't tell us. But whatever the case is, uh, man is not able to go there by a rocket ship or any other way uh, other than by uh, a spiritual transition at death. Now, this within this third heaven is a place called the New Jerusalem. That is where uh, the uh, saints go and where we are going to spend eternity. Now, let's look a little bit at that in Revelation 21 and verse 10. The Bible says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So the New Jerusalem is within uh, the realm of heaven. Having the glory of God, this this city of Jerusalem, and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, it's in a cube. And the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Now, there's some other things. We see the city is pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations are precious stones. But what I really want you to see here is that we're talking about a real place. You know, you don't measure a state of mind. You don't measure an imaginary place. Uh, you don't have these distinct dimensions to some place that is just a fairy tale land. It's a real place. Not only is it a real place, but it's a far better place than you can ever imagine. 
You know, if I were to ask, where do you want to go? If you could go anywhere in the world on vacation, where would you go? Some would say, you know, uh, uh, Cancun or, uh, you know, somewhere. I like to go to Greece or Italy, whatever it is. But whatever place you can think of, there's no place like heaven. The Apostle Paul says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. He also says in Philippians 1.23, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And so number one, I really believe that heaven is a real place. Number two, I really believe that heaven is a roomy place. Back in our text of John 14, 2, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many mansions. These mansions are dwelling places for believers. Now, if we take those figures that I just read to you in Revelation chapter 21, the New Jerusalem itself would measure 512 quintillion cubic feet. That is the number 512 followed by 18 zeros, all right? It could hold trillions of people because it is as long as it is wide and then as it is high. And so it can fit many, many people times over, and that's just the New Jerusalem. That's not including the universe and the the third heaven and all the other things that God has. I personally believe, and I don't have scripture to back this up. I'm just going to tell you my opinion on this. I personally believe that we are going to spend eternity exploring some things that God has prepared that man cannot even go to now, that we can't even see. We may spend eternity uh, exploring some of these things. I don't know, but uh, we're going to do something for all of eternity. I don't think that having a, a set of wings sitting on a cloud playing a harp throughout eternity sounds too exciting. I think we're going to be doing a lot of different things. So what I want you to know is that heaven has a lot of room, all right? There's plenty of room there. It's a roomy place. Number three, heaven is a real place. It's a roomy place. Number three, I really believe that heaven is a rejoicing place. It's a rejoicing place. John says this in chapter 21 of Revelation, verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. You know, heaven is not only known for what is there, but heaven is also known for what is not there. Uh, the Bible tells us here there are no more tears, there is no more death, there is no more sorrow, there is no more crying, and there is no more pain. Think of all the things that will not be in heaven. There will be no hospitals in heaven. Amen? There will be no ambulance services. You won't hear an ambulance go out in the middle of the night to pick somebody up. There will be no law enforcement, no need for police stations and, and law enforcement. There will be no funeral parlors in heaven. Amen to that. No hearses, you know, you don't have to worry about any of that. No cemeteries. Right now you drive by a cemetery and you see all these headstones. And at one time those were people with dreams and aspirations, but now they're gone. The same will happen to us if the Lord tarries. 
But there won't be a cemetery in heaven. There will be no long-term care facilities in heaven, no prisons, no jails, no rehabilitation facilities, no assisted living facilities. There will no there will be no pharmacies in heaven. You won't have to go pick up a prescription for an ache or a pain or a sickness. You see, none of these things will be in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Why? Because it's a rejoicing place. There's no sorrow there. There's no tears, no pain. Uh, one of my favorite songs is called In the Sweet By and by. Here are some words to that song. We shall sing on the beautiful shore, the melodious songs of the blessed, and our spirits shall sorrow no more, not a sigh for the blessing of rest. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Beloved, heaven is a rejoicing place. I really believe that. Number four, I really believe that heaven is a reuniting place. The best thing about heaven, number one, is that we will be united with the one that we preach about, we read about, we pray to, that we sing about, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says in John chapter 14 and verse three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Amen to that. I'm watching for him. Maybe that'll be today. That'd be fine with me. I will come again and receive you into myself that where I am, there you may be also. You see, heaven is a place where we will be with Jesus. What will that be like? I don't know. John says this in 1 John chapter uh, uh, 3 and verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, all right? So we, we presently enjoy that, but listen to the rest of this. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. I, I, I know we're going to get a new body, but exactly what it's going to be like, I don't know. I'm excited about it. In fact, the older I get, the mornings I wake up with some aches and pains, and the more my hair either grows gray or grows uh, or falls out, uh, the more I think about that, man, I, I'm getting more excited about that glorified body every day. He says, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, Jesus, when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, how do we know what Jesus' body is like? Well, what we have to go by is the gospel accounts of Jesus after his resurrection. Jesus transcended space and time and matter. He would appear one moment and and then vanish. We know that he took up food to eat with the disciples. Uh, That's exciting, isn't it? So what all it will entail, we don't know. But we know that when we see Jesus, we're going to be like him. And boy, I'm ready to be reunited with him. Another great song about heaven. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. I really believe that heaven is a reuniting place with Jesus. And then heaven is a reuniting place with our loved ones. Uh, If you're like me, you have loved ones in heaven. I have uh, close family members, a a brother, a mother, grandparents, and others who are in heaven, other uh, friends throughout the years and church family members that are in heaven. And I thank God for the hope of being reunited with them someday. When will that occur? It will occur 
at the rapture. And again, the rapture can happen at any time. Could be today. We don't know. But listen to what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant or uneducated, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, the Bible always refers to believers' bodies as being asleep. It's not talking about soul sleep, but the body being in a state of sleep as it goes to the grave. So here's here's the information concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Now, it doesn't say that we're not to sorrow, all right? That's natural. We sorrow when we lose a loved one, but we don't sorrow as those who have no hope because we have hope. We have hope of seeing them again. We don't just fall apart even though we miss them and we sorrow. Now, it's all predicated on verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? Well, then here's the case. If you believe that, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Let me explain that verse. If you have a loved one that has died, the body goes to the grave, the spirit goes to heaven to be with God. That spirit is alive and well. It's it's functioning. It's aware. It's in some type of transitional body because the, the resurrected body hasn't occurred yet. But they're with God right now. When the rapture occurs, the trumpet sounds, God will bring the spirit of those loved ones to be reunited with a glorified body that will come out of the grave. Well, let me finish the scripture to explain that. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, so this is not Paul's opinion, this is coming from God, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. So the generation that is alive when the rapture occurs, all right, so he's talking about that, those who are alive and remain could be our generation. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So if the trumpet was to sound while I'm preaching this message, the very first thing that would happen, and this would all happen in just an an instant, the bodies of believers would come out of the grave to be reunited with the spirits. All right. And then the Bible says, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, with those loved ones. So uh, your, your husband, your wife, your child, your grandparent, your sibling that is in the grave, you're going to be reunited if they were saved. And if you are saved, you're going to be reunited in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What a great reunion that will be. Can you imagine what that's going to be like as you're reunited with these loved ones and there, the Lord is in the same place? And so shall we ever be with the Lord, never to be separated again. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. It ought to bring comfort that you're going to see your loved one again. You know, heaven gets more inviting all the time because the longer we live, the more interest we have in heaven, and then the more people we know there than we know here on the earth. I mean, it just, you know, just keeps adding up. And so, you know, if you live to be 70, 80, 90 years old, you end up knowing more people on the side of heaven than you do on this side. And and I'm telling you, you have that hope of being reunited with them again someday. Number five, I really believe that heaven is a rewarding place. There will be rewards in heaven for believers. Let me share some scriptures on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 11, the Bible tells us this. 
for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So there's the foundation of our salvation. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, three things of value, three things of no value. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So God is going to try our work after we're saved. Uh, and uh, what it means there in trial by fire, that's not talking about hell. It means that it's going to be put to the test, our work, not what size, but what sort. Did we did it, do it with the right attitude? Uh, did we do it with the right intention? If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So there are rewards in heaven. If any man's work shall be burned, he will suffer loss. And let's say you did something for someone, but you did it out of trying to get attention for it or uh, told everyone about it, but you weren't sincere. You lose the reward there, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So the point is this. There can be people in heaven, there will be people in heaven who are there because they trusted Christ, but they didn't do a lot for him when they were here on earth. It is only those who do things for the Lord and they serve with the right intention that receive a reward. Here's some other scriptures on reward. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That's referring to rewards. Here's another one. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, or because of that, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That's one of the rewards, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. If you are looking forward to Jesus coming back, and you're watching for that, and you're you're serving him till he comes, you're going to get a reward just like the Apostle Paul. Here's one more, Revelation chapter uh, 22 and verse 12. Jesus says, behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So we're going to receive these rewards. Now, uh, you know, Jesus said, if you even give a cup of cold water in his name, you get a reward for that. But just remember this, we're not going to strut around heaven showing off our trophies to one another in a, in a way of bragging. What we're going to do, the Bible says, is we're going to cast all of our rewards at the feet of Jesus. Now, here's why that's exciting. Don't you want to be in line with your rewards to say, Jesus, this just goes right back to you. But wouldn't it be a shame to be there in heaven, standing in line, and here the person in front of you, they have crowns and, and the rewards. I don't know exactly what all that will be like to cast to the feet of Jesus. And here you come empty handed and there's nothing to give. Why? Because you were saved, but you just didn't do anything for the Lord. You know, Jesus said to lay up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. And when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that's the heavenly things. All the other things, the earthly things, will be added to you. In other words, as a Christian, you can have the best of both worlds. You can be blessed here on earth, but the most important thing is laying up those treasures in heaven because we'll present them to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve you because of all you've done for me. Here's the last thing I want to give you, number six. I really believe that heaven is a reserved place. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
The apostle Peter says this in Acts chapter four and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Beloved, you're not just going to wind up in heaven someday without a reservation. You know, that's universalism. You know, we'll just all end up there. No, it's not the Buddhist way, the Hindu way, the Muslim way. It's not the moral way. It's the Jesus way only. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Only those who have trusted Jesus as their only way to heaven have a reserved place for them. You know, we could go on and on about heaven. Heaven is a resting place. The Bible says we will receive rest from our labors. It's a radiant place. Revelation 21 says the lamb is the light of heaven. You don't need light bulbs in heaven. Jesus himself gives off the light of heaven. It's a rich place. We know we have read about the street of gold and the gates of pearl and all the things there. It's a redeemer's place. That's where our redeemer is. That's where redeemed people go. Redeemed means we have been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But the question I want you to consider today is, is it your place? It can be all these wonderful things and you miss out on it because you didn't make that reservation. Is heaven your place? You can make it your place. How do you do that? You realize that you're a sinner. Realize that God loves you and sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And he rose again. And when you say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I receive you as my savior. I believe you did all of this for me. The Bible says you are born again, and right then and there, you make your reservation for this wonderful place called heaven. One of my favorite songs, and oftentimes we'll conclude a church service with this song. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Beloved, I hope you're looking forward to it, and I hope you can call it your place. Thank you so much for listening today. As we conclude the service today, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you listening. Many of you tell me, I'll run across folks that tell me you listen each week or uh, get the podcast. Don't forget, you can listen to all of our messages and other Bible teachings on the Bible Truth uh, podcast. Go to your favorite podcast source and search Bible Truth uh, podcast with Pastor Tim Reynolds. You'll find it. You can listen Listen at your own uh, leisurely time, but we also appreciate those that help us out financially because the only way we have a podcast ministry, the only way we have a radio ministry is by the faithful support of so many friends that listen faithfully, and I thank you for that. If you appreciate the truths of God's Word going out locally here in Mount Vernon in Jefferson County and you want to support us, we ask you to consider that. Just send your, your best gift to Bible Truth for Living, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 6286 for include your best gift if you want to drop in a note you can do that as well but we certainly appreciate so many of you do that on a monthly basis some do that on an annual basis however you do it everything goes just directly back into the ministry so we can keep preaching the truths of god's word thank you so much for listening today i look forward to being with you at our next appointed time and until then this is pastor tim reynolds saying may god bless you is my prayer
You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.